all believe in something. A god, a higher power, intuition, ourselves, karma. Even believing in the absence of these things is believing in something. It's a part of our human nature. Religion can be an intimidating, uncomfortable, and even an offensive topic, especially when beliefs clash. But it is important. So let's start a conversation about it. In fact, let's start a few conversations about it. I'm Anna Weeks, and this is Religious. In this episode, Tahina Rash, a Lutheran minister, is joining the conversation to discuss her experience as an Indian-American woman raised in a Hindu household and her spiritual journey that led her down a path vastly different from her expectations. My faith tradition informs how I am in the world and who I am in the world. And it informs like how I actually live my life of faith um, and how that's embodied. Um, And I think it also, but I also know that the faith tradition for me is not the faith tradition for everybody. And I want to live in a world where we can live in these beautiful expressions of the divine um, and not kill one another over it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Where are you currently at in life? Any fun facts, all of that stuff? Sure. Um, so my name is Tuhina Verma Rash. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I am currently located just outside of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and recently moved here about five months ago from uh, the San Francisco Bay Area in California. Um, And I moved for a couple of reasons. I accepted a position with the Aspen Institute, which is a nonprofit, and I work in their religion and society program as a senior research associate. So I do a lot of the research that informs the work that uh, the religion and society program does. And I am also... um, an ordained minister of word and sacrament in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and I serve as the theologian in residence to the North Carolina Synod, so essentially the state of North Carolina, Um, and the theologian in residence is kind of like it's a new position, so we're actually trying to figure out what this new thing is. Mm -hmm. Wow, and so have you studied religion any at all? So I... I have a master's degree, so um, so um, I have a bachelor's from Clemson University um, in French and international trade with an emphasis on applied agricultural economics. Um, I went to Clemson again for graduate school, um, and I did coursework, a lot of coursework, in rhetoric and professional communication. Then I went to Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, California, when I was trying to figure out where where faith was in my life and how much of a role it would take. And then I transferred up to Pacific Lutheran Theological Seminary. And I have, um, this is actually, I think, the funniest degree, well, second funniest degree ever. I have a master, I have a master's in divinity. (laughs) 
So I, I studied religion for a good five years on a master's level. Wow. What was, that's fascinating. What was the biggest takeaway from that, those studies? Is there like one thing that like summed it up for you that those five years of studies, or is that just too much to even like ask a question on? Um, there's okay. The way to sum it up is there's so much I don't know. And there's going to be so much I won't know for the rest of my life. And I will continually learn. Um, you know, there are, I have really good friends who are professors in religious studies, in how theology, how religion is communicated, how religion is studied, um, the history of religions. And so I realize that there's so much I don't know, and I don't know what I don't know. Is that scary or is that it's how do you exciting? Feel? Yeah. I'm actually excited about it because one of the things that I really love about at least my life of faith is that I encounter I encounter God in the everyday. And I encounter God every day in the everyday. And so for me that's actually really it's actually really life-giving and it's really exciting and and another part of it for me is that I am a huge proponent of sharing faith in community. Um, and I also need to be clear about what it means to share that faith in community. It's not like proselytizing, but it is how am I actually living out my faith? Um, and for me, that has to be done communally. That has to be done with other people. So did you... I know you you grew up devout in a devout Hindu family. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That is correct. Are you okay talking about that? Oh yeah, uh, totes. Okay, great. I I think that's so fascinating. And Hinduism, it's it's one of like it's the big five, like one of the big five um, religions in the world. And so I know a lot of people definitely um, ascribe to that belief system and that faith. But I'm just curious. Why did you why did you leave Hinduism and get involved in the Lutheran Church? Was there a specific thing that prompted you to do that or was it just a progression? I think it was just it was it was a progression. It wasn't like a single moment. Um I think part of it was part of it is like it's the faith of my family. Um that Hinduism has many different forms and many different expressions of how it shows up in the world and one of the forms and one of the expressions is how it showed up for me growing up with my family and that there wasn't a large Hindu community where I was growing up. And so a lot of my worship life was with my immediate family. So a lot of like the prayers and religious observances were done literally in the house. Um, but I think like I never meant, I don't think, I think part of it is it's also kind of hard to express. Like it I didn't leave Hinduism because it, you know, has formed a big part of who I am. And, you know, my family are, you know, my family are still devout Hindus as well. Um, but also at that same time, the experience that I had in Christianity is something that I have tried to deny and I cannot. Could you walk me through or explain some of the core beliefs of Hinduism? 
Well, so that's kind of like the weird, funny thing. Um, So Hinduism is kind of like a label that the British gave to this very diverse set of faith traditions uh, that were practiced in South Asia, like the Indian subcontinent. So like where uh, Bangladesh and Pakistan and India, Tibet, Nepal are. Um, and so I think the British have this way of like, we need to categorize things. And these are all like relatively similar practices. They may be a little different, but they look the same. So let's call it Hinduism. Um, and so it's kind of like, there's, it's such a diverse belief structure, um, that it's kind of like, for me, it's also like when folks ask about Christianity and so like, yeah, Christ is like the central tenet, right? Um, but with like Hinduism, there's like, there's a diversity of deities. And so like, there's different, like, so you could be like a devotee of a very particular deity and still recognize, like, there's so many other deities within the Hindu pantheon. And so it's like the things that meant a lot to me were like prayers, jalisas. So like a lot of the chantings, um, to remember like, who the gods are and what the gods do. And so that was a lot of like my faith formation within like what I knew of Hinduism and how I experienced Hinduism. And so, um, and there were particular gods in particular seasons, um, like how there is a liturgical calendar for the Christian year. There's, um, there's a lunar calendar for uh, Hinduism. And so different areas in India also celebrate different festivals and different festivals or the same festival can have different names in India. And so that's why it's so hard to say like, you know, what are some of the basic tenets of Hinduism? Because I think like if you get to experience like the, I think the entirety, getting to have like the entirety of like the Hindu experience, I think for like a human brain is going to be impossible because it's just so much and it traverses so much of history. And so I think like there's particular gods in the pantheon and goddesses. Um, There's different festival days, um, different uh, things that are acknowledged during the festival days. And um, yeah, and so there's like different rhythms and different practices and so like there's like prayers and like offerings to the gods and offerings to the gods during particular seasons so like uh the goddess okay i'm gonna probably get this wrong because my brain's also a little mushy but like um so like recently was uh the time of darga puja or dushara and that is honoring the goddess Durga, the warrior goddess who rides a tiger and um, and defeats evil and is and is a force for good in the world. And so I grew up knowing it as Durga Puja and my mom's side of the family grew up calling it Dushara because my parents are also from different areas in India. And so even in my family, like there's different ways to name and different ways to be uh, within the within like a Hindu faith tradition. Yeah. So you said that Hinduism is very much a part of your family's life and it, it, it brought you guys together. That was um, a core value for you guys. What was their reactions when you started to lean more towards a different religion? I think there was confusion. You know, there was kind of like wondering, like, what what happened? What what what? what happened? Um, 
And especially like when I had mentioned like I was going to go to seminary and I think like seminary was, I actually had to explain seminary, um, which is higher education. So like a graduate level degree, um, if you want to study religion as like a practitioner in a way. And so going to seminary um, to get a master's degree and my parents are like, wait, what? <laughs> like, I, what? And I mean, I was also kind of like, look, I was not intending my life to go this way either. Um, you know, I had different plans too. And seminary <laughs> was not on the plan. Um, that was not on my little like to do checklist for the entirety of my life. And that just <laughs> kind of, woo, hello. Um, so I think like there was definitely confusion of like, what happened? Um, and I also think that there's loss. You know, you expect that the world is going to be one way. And then it doesn't turn out that way. And I think like there's some grieving that happens there. And I think, I think my family may have, and I, it's not fair for me to say this because I feel like this is me putting words in their mouth, but the world turned out, the world that they wanted for me didn't turn out the way that they wanted it for me. Yeah. Is there, did that cause tension? Are y'all? Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it totally caused tension. I think like when you introduce like new thing, like incredibly new ways of being into a system that's always been, yeah, there's going to be conflict and there's going to be tension because that means that there's change. And so whenever there's change, there's actually always going to be conflict and conflict isn't necessarily bad. Um, <laughs> um, remind me that like years down the road where I'm like I hate conflict it's so easy to say that like when you're not having oh conflict. yeah when you're removed from it. it's like oh yeah conflict is great you can change you can grow you can see things in a new way but like when you're actually in it it's like take me out of this um and so yeah there was there was definitely conflict I'm not gonna say that no everything was great everything was fine um, there was conflict because there was confusion. It was so new. Like, why are you doing this with your life? Like, you could have been like all these other things and now you're going to go be a pastor. Like, you know, I was supposed to be like a doctor or, or a lawyer or like something that had like not the words reverend in front of it. <laughs> yeah, um, that that kind of leads into the next question, which is like the other part of your life that I'm so super curious about. But tell me about the process of you becoming an ordained Lutheran minister. Like, what was that like? And then specifically, when did you feel called to that position? Oh, my God. It's I mean, this it's still a process. Like, even as we're talking today, it's a process. And the process is a continual, holy, hot mess. And it's <laughs> glorious. Um, so I think like it's, it's not done, um, to say like, I am ordained as a Lutheran pastor, but there's also different ways of pastoring in the world that I'm learning. And so I, I felt like the strong presence of God actually, when I was in graduate school, when I was attending church. And that really scared me because that meant that this was real to me. Um, and it was real in the world and it was real in the world to me, like encountering God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Holy Trinity. Um, and so that was really terrifying for me. And it actually took me years from that point to even like, even wanting to be baptized in the church, even wanting to like profess, like I am a practicing Christian, like that, 
that transition took years. It wasn't a short transition. It wasn't like this immediate, like, oh, I'm in. Um, it was, it was a lot of like internal wondering, a lot of internal questions and a lot of struggle. Like I also had expectations for the way that my life was going to go and, and it didn't go the way that I anticipated. And I'm actually really grateful for that too. Um, so I got baptized and then the pastor who presided over my baptism told me like a week after my baptism, he's like, you should go to seminary. And I told him that he needed to take that and shove it up his, um, yeah, uh, because like, wait, what? You want me to go to seminary? You want me to go to like school to study religion? Wait, what? And it just, I think the other thing is it's like God's patient, at least God's patient with me. Thank God. Um, and so it it took a lot of wondering and a lot of exploring and a lot of questioning, but knowing that the way that I experience God in religion, that God is ever faithful and God is ever present. And so God was going to sit and hang with me and, you know, be with me when I figured out what those questions were and that, you know, that patience is filled with graciousness and it's filled with curiosity and it's just filled with presence. So just this realization that like I wasn't alone in this exploration, that like I was being guided by actually a community of God's people, um, whether they knew it or not, um, that I was going to go to seminary. And I went to seminary and and it was hard. It was so hard I because it was just kind of like I did not want my life to go this way. Um, but one of the one of the things that you have to do in order to be ordained as a pastor in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America is that you have to go on a year-long internship. You have to serve a parish for a year. And you do it uh, your third year. So the first two years you go to seminary, the third year you're on internship, and the fourth year you return to seminary. And so my third year, I went on internship and and that just, I could not stop hearing, like, the voice of God. Um, just like, the, you know, like, you are called for this, you, for such a time as this. Um, this is the appropriate time for you to answer this call in this church. And so my internship, so, like, the congregation where I served and my internship supervisor, like, they were they were my spiritual guides, really. They were the folks that really affirmed for me, like, yeah, you are called to be a pastor. You know, there's some days where you may not want to do this and you're not going to be alone. You'll have people supporting you and you'll have people encouraging you and guiding you. And there's days where you're going to be like, hell yeah, I want to do this. Um, but I will also say that no day is ever the same. And so when I went back for my fourth year, I went back with a sure foundation, realizing that like, I am called for this work. I am called not just to proclaim the good news, but to embody the good news and trying to figure out how to do that in a community of people together and, and how to do it differently. Because it like people, I mean, like we have so many different forms of Christianity. So folks interpret the Bible in so many different ways. And so I don't think there's one sole right way. But the, the, the thing is, though, 
it has to point towards life abundant and towards Jesus for me. If it points towards death and destruction and condemnation, I don't, I struggle with where God is in that. Yeah. So some churches and some, you know, specific denominations, um, even within Christianity, don't allow the ordination of women. What are your thoughts on that? And did you personally receive any pushback or discouragement in your pursuit of that calling for you? Look, I'm ordained in a tradition where women have been ordained, like they celebrated like women have been ordained for 50 years, but women are still underpaid as clergy. Women are still relegated to like assistant roles and not leadership roles. So like if you need a pastor for children's ministry, not to say that children don't need ministry, but it's automatically like forcing, um, it's automatically forcing somebody into a role that they may not call to be. Like it might be forcing them into like a maternal mother role, even though they're called to be a teacher or they're called to be a lead pastor or they're called to run a seminary. Um, and I think that, I think, so for me, I, I mean, I am part of a faith tradition where women are ordained, but even though women are also treated not great you know, there's, there's still not equity within the practices of the denomination I'm in that ordains women. And I also think about folks who say like, well, women can't be ordained, but I also can't help but think that if it weren't for, if it weren't for Mary Magdalene, that Easter morning at the tomb, would we have known about Jesus's resurrection? Because to me, Mary Magdalene is the first proclaimer of the resurrection. And I also think about the disciples as Jesus was being crucified. You know, the disciples left, but the women stayed. And it's the women that tended to his crucified body to make sure that it was lovingly placed in the tomb. And so I think also even in the early church, so reading the book of Acts, that it's actually many wealthy women who supported those first those first churches, those first days of ministry. Um, and I can't help but think were it not for the women, would we be proclaiming the story today? Mm. Yeah, I, well, as a woman, um, as a fellow woman, that is, I love hearing that. <laughs> I love hearing your perspective <laughs> on that. What is your work in the church primarily focused on? You kind of mentioned this earlier. I think my work I think like the work of any pastor is to proclaim the gospel. Um, that's, that's my work. My work is to proclaim Jesus. Um, my work is to proclaim Jesus resurrected um, in a world that continues to experience crucifixion day after day after day and ways to embody that resurrection, ways to profess that resurrection. And so I, I think that there's so many different ways um, for call to play out, but specifically for me, it's to point to Jesus and to point to Jesus and to say that Jesus is with the tax collectors, Jesus is with the sinners, and, and we are all broken and beautiful people who are in need of God's grace. 
what morals are important to you and how do you develop your moral framework? I don't know. I think like, because for me, I, I don't know if I call them morals per se, because I think like for me, everything, every, so a lot of my life has shifted and changed um, because of like how faith has informed my life. And so I think that my biggest moral is like live towards life abundant, point other people towards life abundant, guide other people towards life abundant. I think like if like that's the moral for me is just ensure that just ensure that your neighbor has abundant life and that in ensuring that for your neighbor, I think like I think about how Jesus had said, like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so loving your neighbor is also a way to let God into your heart and loving yourself. Mm. Yeah. Would you call yourself a good person? Oh, heck no. Oh, my God. I am petty AF. Like... I am, I am not a good person. I, so this is actually one of the things I love about the Lutheran faith is that I am 100% simultaneously saint and sinner. So like I have been embraced by the love and grace of God. Thanks be to God for that. Cause if it were up to me, I would be petty AF and like, it would be like, heaven would just be a big old click. I like, I'm just, I want to call it as I call it. Like I'm sometimes I'm a great person to be around and sometimes I'm an absolutely miserable person to be around. And so I don't know if I want to be a good person, but I want to be a faithful person. Yeah. Mm, That's good. How do your beliefs and faith affect your day-to-day life? And more specifically, how have they changed you? I experience gratitude way more than I ever did, I think. Like, you know, I just told you I'm petty AF, (laughs) you know, I'm not a good person and all these delightful things, but I also can't help but marvel at the breath in my body. I can't help but marvel at like the stunning change of leaves outside. I can't help but marvel the air that I breathe. I can't help but marvel the spouse who you know, who I live with and is just a lovely human. I, Mm. I can't help but marvel that like, you know, I get to have this conversation with you. I think that there's, there's an abundance of gratitude in my life because I know it's, I know that this life is, this particular life is not permanent. Mm. And I think for me that that's actually opened an overwhelming sense of gratitude. I don't know if I ever would have had. Yeah. As far as eternity goes, and that is a huge topic in and of itself. <laughs> oh, Lord. I feel like that could be a whole nother podcast episode. Um, that could be a whole podcast series. You're so right. What do you, what are your thoughts on eternity? Do you have an answer for that that you could give um, in like a minute or so? Or, you know, oh, I, my gosh. I'm no, talking listen, about eternity. In listen, a listen, that was. That was out of pocket. Take however long you want um, to answer that question, how you see fit. So I, eternity, um, I, so I call it the marriage feast of the lamb from the book of Revelation. And I envision that the marriage feast of the lamb is just going to be a big old party. 
And eternity for me is just going to be a big old party because everyone's going to get to know everyone. Everyone's going to get to sit at the same table. Everyone's going to love on like all the same food. Even if you don't like it, we will all somehow still love it. Like, I just think that eternity is just going to be such a, such an amazing jam. Like I just, um, yeah. Um, how we get there. I don't know. <laughs> like you asked me what it was, but how we get there. That that's a whole other story, but like I think eternity is just going to be a just a big old never ending house party. Yeah. Do you think Do you think eternity is going to be that for everyone, no matter uh, their beliefs? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, actually, I do. Okay. I actually I actually believe that 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 will be for everybody because look, I have like so it's kind of weird like. There's some faith tradition, there's some forms of Christianity where God is picky and choosy, and there's some faith traditions where God isn't. And so for me, I think like, oh, wow, I almost just swore because I also tend to do that. But I'm just like, shoot, if God can love me, how can God not love like other people? Because like, I think the, uh, and people are like, well, what about serial killers? And it's like, look, that's a whole other discussion. Um, And it's also up to God. It's not up to me. Like, I don't get to have that say because then I would become, I would become a little G God. I would become an idolater. Yeah. Is, is there anything about your belief system or spiritual journey that we haven't, that we haven't covered that you want to talk about specifically or want others to know about you? Um, I think like, so the work that I do right now, I really love my job, um, So like I had mentioned, I work as a senior research associate with the Religion and Society program with the Aspen Institute. And I get to work in a place where I am just honored to get to sit at people's feet and and get to hear about and experience the amazing ways the divine shows up in the world. whether it be through different faith traditions or even through non-traditions of what it means to be a secular humanist, of what it means to, to operate without a God and getting to learn these different ways of being in the world. I think like I've just been so honored to be in this position. And I also think that it's also incredibly important that we make space for one another, that if our practices aren't harming our neighbor and are pointing towards life abundant for our neighbor and for ourselves, there's not just one way of being in the world. And my faith as a Christian has taught me that. My foundational faith as a Hindu has taught me that. And my work in the religion and society program continues to teach me that. Mm. Yeah. Well, Tahina, you are a lovely human. and I am so honored to have you on this podcast and to have this conversation with you and I can tell you're just so passionate about your faith and and helping others in in faith journeys too um I briefly mentioned the whole goal of this podcast and these types of conversations at the beginning um just to start conversations and and inform people about different religions and worldviews and how how big this the scope of religion is and so is there any advice you would give for people seeking answers within religion? Um, actually, don't seek the answers. Look for the questions. Instead of seeking like the concrete answers, is it this? Must it be this? 
go in and ask, I wonder. Thanks so much for listening. More than anything, I hope this left you with more questions about your own faith journey and a burning desire to find the answers. If you want to continue the conversation or have specific questions you'd like to ask, please don't hesitate to reach out to either myself or today's guest. Our socials will be in the description and we'd love to hear from you.